This podcast will teach you a unique time management system that's driven by your own limitless creativity. You're meant to do great things. Here are the skills you need to start doing them. My name is Scott Snow, and I'm a creativity coach and the host of this show. Today's fascinating guest is Arjun Kamani. He's an unconventional high school student from India with an insatiable yearning to understand the world. He's a blogger, podcaster, and writes a newsletter called Amazing Things and Ideas. He's passionate about psychology, creativity, philosophy, and education reform. Between you and I, it was what Arjun said after the interview was done that impressed me the most. He asked me to tell him about myself and my work. No wonder he's so smart. Please welcome Arjun Kamani. Thanks for having me, Scott. It's great to be here. I've got a whole bunch of questions for you here. You're a very interesting fellow. Uh, I first discovered you um, on a a Google search. I was doing something about, um, what was it? Oh, Bill Gates and his uh, thinking week, his time away to think. And I really enjoyed how your blog, you know, you really described it really well. And then I just looked and you had more and more interesting info. So uh, thanks for agreeing to be on the show. So Arjun, what are some of the different hats that you wear? Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of hats I wear and I'm not really proud of them sometimes wearing so many hats, but I am a student, but that's just for the sake of it. I'm practically not a student anymore because of all the other hats I wear. So uh, I'm not really a student in the conventional sense of the way because, uh, yeah, don't just give it as much priority as most people do or as much as it even at the bare minimum needs. I, I have a blog, I have a podcast, a newsletter, among other things I do online, like a Twitter account and stuff. And I've been writing there since, uh, since the last two years and come a long way since then. And um, yeah, it's led to many opportunities, like being able to do copywriting gigs here and there. And also really recently getting uh, a co-authorship like with the with an author, like actually having to write a book. So we're working on that together. So yeah, there's these things and other like minor details at school, which I really don't really care about much, but it's still there. And yeah, mostly I'm focusing on um, my blog, my podcast and the book. And um, yeah, then that's pretty much it. That's all the hats over. Mm, love that. So it sounds like you have some very strong beliefs about education. I know that that's one of your big focuses. So what do you believe is missing in the current, the traditional approach to education and how should it be different? Sure. So a lot of people have this idea that you want to add something to the education system. Like people will be like, you know, only if they taught money at school, then it would be, you know, a better education system or only if health and wellness was a subject at school. But I have a different perspective on this. I was like, I'm like, um, you know, most people learned calculus at school, but you probably don't remember it as uh, as much right now. And, you know, so the problem isn't that school isn't teaching some things, but the problem is that school teaches you in the first place. You know, school is teaching you. So I actually, you know, like, I don't have something that I would like to add to the education system, mostly subtract 
the current way of doing education or schooling. Um, you know, there's some, um, there's a lot of uh, nuances here. Like you, some people don't like to call the conventional way of education, doing education, which is schooling and education in this education world. And so they'd rather argue that a true education is following one's curiosity and doing what, you know, they are inherently interested in. And so if I were to, like, obviously no one person can do this, but I want to create like some sort of learning webs that allow for the person who has specific knowledge to give it to those people who are interested in getting that knowledge. The internet is a great platform to do it, but unfortunately it hasn't revolutionized the education system yet, though you would think that, you know, it should be a great place to start. There's so many YouTube videos, podcasts that you can listen to and gain so much knowledge and, you know, um, sort of break the way education is done. But unfortunately it hasn't happened. Uh, might be due to some cultural influences there. But yeah, my main idea is to sort of link these uh, these two people, which is one, a person who would want to teach something, not really teach, but like provide explanations to the student who's willing to learn. And this needn't happen with credentials or whatnot. So maybe a different approach with the education would um, allow people, students to be more curious and to uh, bring about their own strengths, what they're interested in more. Definitely, yeah. Okay. And what is the focus of your book? The focus of my book, which, you know, we've just started working on very recently, is about constraints and how constraints can help one make progress. So, you know, we just talked about the education system, and it would seem sort of counterintuitive to put it right here about constraints being good. But then there's two different types of constraints. One is like a coercive kind, which is the definition of schooling. They're, you know, very coercive and authoritarian and whatnot. But another is sort of non-coercive, but constraints that are good. So these constraints are like, you know, the rules of chess. Those, uh, without the rules of chess, you wouldn't be able to play the game or you wouldn't be able to have the fun that people do with those rules. And so there's this, just this analogy can lead to many, many different places for like progress as a whole in science and economics and politics. And so we're just trying to distill these in various places. And I noticed that you uh, wrote a lot about journaling and your process for journaling. Uh, and, I, and I've always believed that journaling is, is such a fantastic habit to get into for creativity and for wellness and, you know, being reflective. So what's your process for journaling? And, um, you know, what are some of the benefits, benefits do you think of journaling for my listeners? Sure. Journaling definitely changed a lot of my life. Like before journaling, I was sort of all over the place and, you know, never really had that time to intentionally put down all the things that were in my mind onto like a pen and paper. You just, you know, everyone who's had a journal might be knowing this feeling that, you know, when you're putting stuff down on that pen and paper, it just makes you feel good and intentional and just calmer uh, instantaneously. So my process of journaling, I have worked around a few, but I usually do morning pages, which is uh, just writing two or three pages uh, just from the top of your head, like right after you've gotten up. So I, I'd usually either do some meditation or journaling after I've woken up at 4.45 a.m. sharp, like after having water and stuff, of course. 
and then that would just be you know just a mental uh, brainwash of like just getting all the words out on the paper and some more uh, frameworks that I use for journaling are well I ask myself like what Benjamin Franklin did to himself like the two questions of the day so the morning question would be okay what good shall I do this day and the evening question would be what good have I done this day and so I answer both these both of these questions in my journal as well the five minute journal okay. have do you know about it I saw it in your blog post but I, no I'm not familiar with it uh, okay so it, it like it's a journal but then I do it on my journal uh, it's a notebook in its own right but it it has like a quote at the beginning then you can write three three, three things you're grateful for uh, then three things that'll make uh, this day good for you and I think there's daily affirmations. So like I am this dot, dot, dot. And then at the evening time, you're like uh, talking about three amazing things that happened today. And what are some ways I could have made this day even better? Elia mm -hmm. used to do this, but then right now um, that, you know, the, the two questions from Benjamin Franklin, they just hit hard on it. So I think that's an easier framework, but then, yeah. So this is sort of the daily kind and when I go to weekly or uh, sort of quarterly, I have these just three questions again. They are, uh, okay, what went good this week? What went well this week? What didn't go so well this week? Or this quarter or this year sometimes? And I'm like, okay, then what have I learned this week, this quarter or this year? So those are some of the frameworks I use. Hmm. And uh, I find it interesting interesting that you leave out the month. Uh, I think you said something in your blog that you didn't feel it was the, a good amount of time for. Can you explain more? Yeah, because um, I think that the month is like sort of a short. So if you're doing like monthly scheduling or monthly uh, reviewing, that's sort of not practically good for me as such, because if I'm doing weekly, planning as well the month the monthly sort of overlaps with the weekly planning and the the monthly also you know it's a short time frame if you really want to do something some like just even a substantial bit of a project so i don't really find it helpful to be tracking the the monthly time duration but then the quarterly is a better framework when like you know you have three months and you can actually see yourself improving, your habits forming, and then you can review on those habits and, you know, just go from there. Uh, I love how you're reflective enough to just say, well, the month doesn't work for me, you know, so I just get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yep. Now, do you um, write by pen and paper or computer? All these things I usually, so the daily I do by pen and paper, the, the quarterly and yearly ones I like to do on my Notion database. Uh, but yeah, the weekly again on pen and paper, because uh, just the, the notion, I, I do it a notion because I just like to have a better, so it's just easier to go for, for me to go there and like, you know, have it in an organized place so that I can visit it again and again, but maybe on pen and paper, it might just slip away somewhere. So, yeah. What's the notion database? The, the notion database. So you might've heard about notion, uh, before, right? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. So that's interesting because uh, these productivity note-taking apps are like very uh, 
hype uh, they have a lot of hype attached to them in the productivity space hmm. but yeah like there's different note taking note taking apps like you know apple notes is the default one that most people use i like to use notion because it has many ways that you can like just just it just has a complete note taking thing i'm not very good at explaining notion there's like countless youtube videos online but um i use it to have daily brain dumps again so like i know i do it on my journal in the morning and sometimes in the evening i just have a daily brain dump like tell everything that happened in the day or like some just key thing that happened and then notion is also there for fleshing out more of my key ideas so like for my books and you know articles online i just use it for like so if an idea strikes me originally like i would just put it on my apple notes that's the default place it goes and then if i want to flesh it out further it goes on to notion so i can just make it better and keep it in an organized way which is sort of like my second brain in a sense and hmm. i use those ideas for my blog posts for my book and places like interesting that. okay i wonder if the all the hats we wear podcast uh, appearance will be in your journal tonight Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be. <laughs> That's cool to have a record of, you know, the most important, you know, whatever, five things that happen during the day and for every day, you know. Yeah. With Notion, it sounds like you would be able to look things up. Like if you went to a restaurant, you could look it up, right? Yeah, the searchability feature of Notion is just incredible. You can look things up that you've written like seven years ago or something like that. So it's brilliant. Okay. And obviously you're a very bright and uh, creative person. What is your process for, you know, like your creative process? How do you get your best ideas? And do you have a way to uh, you know, incubate ideas and follow them through? Yeah, I I don't really have a very fixed creative, um, you know, basis, but because that's sort of like, um, I tend to think that that would be like, that wouldn't really be very creative if you have a very fixed structure around it. But then I do sort of have some structure that allows me to at least create and then put things out on, you know, a routine basis. And so Notion is actually very helpful there again, because I, again, I have these ideas on there and I can just put it into a blog post or a newsletter easily. So I don't have to, I never start on a blank page when I'm writing. So like, you know, a blank screen and stuff. So I never really have to worry about them. Uh, I usually get ideas when I'm not thinking about them. So I, you know, I'm just doing whatever I'm doing out on a nature walk, maybe, or just at home on my desk, on my computer, thinking about something else. And then boom, this idea pops up. That's, uh, you know, going to be a great topic for the newsletter. So I put them, uh, put that in the notion place and, yeah, I get started on them like when I have to because I have deadlines for my newsletter. So, you know, every Sunday my audience expects a new newsletter. And for that, I pretty much have to write one. And then I do think like, I don't, so because I don't have enough structure maybe, or because I don't have enough deadlines for other projects, I do find it a little harder to work on them. Uh, maybe also because there's different hats I wear. So there's a lot of things and, you know, life can always, life can always get in the way. So uh, you mentioned your newsletter there, and I don't want to forget to ask you, you know, where, where can our listeners go for the newsletter and for your podcast and website? Oh, sure. Um, my website is arjunkimani.com. So my name.com. And there you'll find all the links to the, to the newsletter, to a podcast, everything else. 
Okay, and I'll put that in the uh, group notes as well. How do you consume the news and how does that affect your ideas for the day? Right. I I don't consume the news. I consume more of books, um, like more of a book reader instead of going through the news. But yeah, so maybe then I'll explain sort of my process of reading books. <clears throat> I, I usually like, so this year I'm like reading probably a book a week. So that's considerably a lot. And yeah, I do want to remember what I read, of course. Sometimes it's like, you know, people get too much into the idea of like, you have to remember what you read. But most of the times it's like, you sort of have it at the back of your mind. You might not know which author said this or which author said that, but when you're reading, you're just actively absorbing all that information and that and your mind is just being carved upon those new words. And so, but still, I like to keep notes of what I'm reading so I can, you know, reference them again and then use them in my own writing. So reading, when you're reading a lot, you just sort of automatically tend to like to write. So you write more. And that's how I started writing for my blog. Maybe that's not for everyone, but I see some people who've, who are like avid readers, they sort of tend to, it's the writing side as well. But so my process of reading books, I read, I highlight stuff that I like. I, you know, write in the margins, don't care about ruining my books, like, you know, with my own words. So that's all cool. And yeah, again, those ideas sort of tend to go to the Apple Notes side and then the Notion side after I flesh them out a little bit more. So if I've read something that's resonated with me a lot, um, I'll just, you know, copy paste that whole paragraph on the book to Apple Notes, then to Notion, then use it into my own writing. And how old are you? I'm 16. So you're a high school student now? I am, yeah. I have two years remaining. Okay. Do you, is it in the plan to go to college? Oh, no. Uh, I'm taking, yeah, I'm definitely taking a gap year after high school. I don't even know how it's going to be like completing high school, but that's, that's a whole nother story. But yeah, college is not in the plan because I want to take a gap year, sort of travel to some places and, you know, work on what I'm already working on, go beyond that. So yeah, that's what I sort of plan to do on the gap year. Is it a struggle for you since you have a lot of uh, creativity in your own ideas on education? Is it tough for you to, because you have to go to school, right? You have to finish high school. Is it tough to do that? Oh yeah, it definitely is. I, well, yeah, I sort of have to go to high school, but then I'm again, really right now, there's like a lot of uncertainty in that space because I'm thinking about, you know, what I want to do, even, even if it's worth, you know, going through these one and a half years, two years of high school because I really think they're not worth it and so it is tough I do have a lot of friction you know with the teachers with the system because I you know I tend to question I tend to question the stuff that you're not supposed to question and then yeah I sort of get into trouble for doing that but I I have stopped caring enough because like you know because of the other hats I wear the thing that I told you about and it allows me to you know, not worry about school and in the normal way people worry about grades or, you know, marks or anything else. So mm -hmm. even my parents, they starting to understand my explanations around, you know, schooling or they're, they're at least happy for me with what I'm doing outside of school. So they don't really force me a lot to study and get good grades. They're basically okay if I pass my test. So, yeah. 
What's your approach to goal setting? And uh, what are some of your goals? Right. I Again, there isn't really a formal structure or system for me to set my goals, but I usually feel very, very inclined to an idea and that sort of becomes my goal. So recently I, so I'm a long distance runner as well. And, um, you know, when you're a long distance runner, you constantly want to challenge the, uh, the distance you last ran. So the highest distance you last ran, the longest run you had last. And so I've always wanted to, you know, go keep on going beyond what I've just been going at. And so for 2021, my goal was like, you know, hitting 21 kilometers, which is a half marathon, doing that for the first time. And I was able to do that in less than six months of that year. So that was a pretty cool thing. And just right now, like last week, I sort of had a goal to uh, run a full marathon, you know, a whole year later, uh, I had a goal to run a full marathon. Unfortunately, I broke my tailbone then, so I couldn't finish that right now, but I'm still working on running that full marathon very soon. So well, like, I just feel inclined towards doing certain things. Maybe it's because of um, certain other influences, like running this full marathon, which was just six weeks ago, like I had this idea, notion that, okay, I'm going to run a, six, a marathon in six weeks. And I, I literally just watched a YouTube video of a person running like 50 kilometers in the hottest region in the world. And that was, again, inspiring at that moment. And just then I just picked up, you know, my pen and paper and, you know, my journal and I wrote in there for accountability purposes. I, uh, yeah, I just, tweeted it out, put it on my Instagram page that I'm running a marathon in six weeks. Sure, that didn't work out. I fractured my told, uh, tailbone, but yeah, that's sort of the way it goes with these kinds of goals. The bigger goals that I have are, you know, one is changing the education system. So making real progress over there. That's one of the problems I want to work on. So when people ask me, what do you want to do when you grow up? I say there are a couple of problems I want to work on because I think problems are cool and fun to solve and so one is the education problem and the other is sending humanity to mars so those are like two different problems i want to work on mm. yeah, goals sounds I like solve. you have a couple of blog posts about elon musk and i had another question about what you think you know how you think twitter will be different now that he owns it oh yeah uh yeah that's a timely thing and i i really I love the fact that he's owning it right now. I don't have a lot of thoughts on it, but just that, yeah, he's owning it. I think it'll be for the better. It should be for the better because he has these ideas and I hope they're only for, you know, those ideas that he has preached as of now. So, you know, I think it might be a better place for us and many of us might not have to worry about being banned on Twitter. So, yeah. And I think you uh, compared him to like a, a current time Da Vinci, like a genius of the times, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. I think, you know, he's into a lot of spaces. He, uh, if you ask him how he taught himself rocket science, he'll basically tell you that I read a lot of books and I talked to a lot of smart people. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, when, when you can do that, and I think that's a good way to educate yourself and to learn stuff, like actually mm. learn stuff. And so... Uh, yeah, gaining that knowledge, having a love for knowledge and uh, doing something amazing for humanity. In a way, it seems like you followed a similar path. So maybe you'll be yeah. the next Elon Musk. Well, 
yeah, I don't know. That's maybe the goal. Cool. Um, now for, for social media, I know that you're active on Twitter. What else has uh, been helpful to you for social media platforms? Um, yeah, sure. So Twitter has definitely been the main platform for me. The other one was Discord. It's not really a social media platform, though you can have like, you know, deeper conversations with people than just like tweets and stuff. So you can actually talk to people, text people there and have these communities placed there. And so, yeah, I, my social, like social media game started when I actually started to, you know, DM people and just cold outreaching them. I like to call them, you know, uh, make your cold DMs warm because you don't want to sound cold when you're, you know, just trying to get to a person. So Twitter really helped me gain, you know, a lot of intellectual friends and I'm really grateful for them and the communities that have uh, sort of just been in there. So Twitter was definitely helpful. I just always encourage people who want to, you know, do a similar path to sort of just, just go ahead and tweet out and just uh, DM people. They're the most, if they don't reply, well, that's fine. But like most of the times they are going to reply and, you're probably gonna make a good friend. You're gonna have, you know, a guest on your podcast. Like that's why you did. You replied, and you know, we're on a uh, podcast together. So yeah, it was very quick. I just uh, DM you and said, "I like your article. Uh, would you like to be on the podcast?" And you said, "Yeah." And then we set it up, and that was it. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Is Discord free, or do you gotta pay? It's free. I think it's free. Like the free version, which pretty much works for everyone, is free. Yeah. Okay. And what, how do you meditate? What's your approach? Yeah. Uh, good question. Like I use, so I use sort of like the guided meditation, me meditation apps. I started with Headspace, but now I'm more inclined towards waking up the app by Sam Harris. And that teaches non-dual mindfulness, which is a very interesting concept in its own right. But yeah, I use those two apps and I'm actually doing a solo meditation retreat, um, sort of like a think week, but then I won't be carrying books with me. I'll just be carrying myself and like just a, my own journal and stuff like that. And I'll be going to the Himalayas um, next month. So recently, uh, just pretty shortly. And yeah, I'll be there for like a good four days alone with my thoughts and get a mental reset done. Be humbled by the fact that I'm sort of nothing. And yeah, that should be a fun thing to do. A solo meditation retreat. Nice. Is there a spiritual element to your meditation or like a religion or is it straight for mindfulness, would you say? It's straight for mindfulness. Okay. And uh, well, this has been a, uh, a real inspiration to hear, you know, like you're very bright and they can tell that you've got a really bright future. So it's a, it's a honor to talk with you. And uh, my final question, Arjun, is um, what is one action that our listeners could take to live a more purposeful, passionate life? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, um, yeah, I think like there's always different people and, you know, I can't speak for everyone else, but maybe like one piece of thing that they could do is stuff that this practice that I again like to do from time to time is making a Venn diagram of, things I want to do and things I have to do and 
you know, there's an intersection between them where you write, you know, things you want to do as well as you have to do. So I think when you're like making these explicit, like things you actually have to do, which you might not want to do, and like just distinguishing between the two and then finding for yourself what you really want to do and then doing that, uh, I think that can be really helpful. There is, um, you know, the Eisenhower matrix, which is, if you if you are familiar with it, it's like you make these, um, you make this graph where there's like things that are important, uh, things that are important and urgent, uh, and then things that are unimportant and not urgent. And so like, I like that framework, but then again, that doesn't have that really a lot of, I don't find there being some intention in that, like as, as much intention as there would be in a question as things I want to do and things I have to do. So making that, you know, Venn diagram thing. And then just, yeah, if you're having a lot of things that you having to do and not doing a lot of things you want to do, I think, you know, just course correct from there and yeah, live a more meaningful life. Awesome. Well, Arjun, uh, you've given us a lot of great ideas to think about. And uh, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. It was wonderful chatting. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Hopefully, you've learned something to help you become more joyful, productive, and fulfilled. So let's keep that momentum going. Text or email me to schedule a free consult call to get you moving in the right direction. By the end of this session, you'll have a complete list of all the hats that you wear, and we'll probably uncover a few important hats that you should be wearing, but you're not. You're meant to do great things. Contact me to take the first step. Text 774-230-3928 or email me scottsnow1234 at gmail.com. Do it now.